and you are listening to Dream Infringement. Dream Infringement is a super squad of three fantastically close friends. We share each other's deepest secrets and even deeper fears on a regular basis. It's true. We're all trauma bonded. We have. We've all trauma bonded. And and who better to host a show talking about uh, things that have gone on in our lives than us? I mean, no one else can speak for me in my personal experience but myself. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what you're getting. The pure, unleaded, unfiltered, uncut version of my personal experience oh unleaded yeah and emily i never and, thought about that word yeah. ever well buckle up and get ready for more gasoline centric metaphors because it's gonna you mean fuel up <laughs> something like that <laughs> anyways that's right. yeah yes. and so we're a super squad yeah three friends mm-hmm. and we're trauma bonded and we tell stories and we play music and you're in, a, in for a real treat tonight because our show normally typically we have put a lot of thought and effort into uh, what our theme is going to be am i right emily that is correct i mean we will we will have we have literally have pages and pages of spreadsheets that jennifer has poured her heart and soul into to keep organized potential theme ideas. She is very organized. This is true. And to, to this week, what we have done is we've thrown them out the window. That's right. I literally was driving down the freeway and chucked them out of the window. They are no longer existent. That's how spreadsheets work. Once you throw them out the window, they're gone. Never to be seen again. I can't even imagine that she would have saved them on some kind of like internet-based uh, file sharing, document sharing platform. No. That doesn't exist. Who does that? Yeah. Anyways, uh, so what we've done is we've decided we are going to have a theme that is, as I have fondly come to call it, much ado about nothing. Yeah, that's right. It's just fun facts and songs and miscellaneous items. The junk drawer, if you will, of uh, of our minds. Yes, the junk drawer of our minds. And perhaps you're wondering, Bobby, what are you talk what are you guys talking about? You're crazy. Junk drawer. I've never heard that term. Well, let me enlighten you. We all have that drawer in uh, maybe our living room, dining room kitchen bedroom i mean it's basically a a a catch-all of all kinds of miscellaneous items so you might pull that drawer out every once in a while to see if maybe you have a stray battery because you're one short of the four that are required to work your universal remote so that you can watch naked and afraid Maybe you're looking for a paperclip so that you can put those tax documents together um, so they don't get all mixed up and lost. And then you don't actually send your IRS documents into the IRS when you're supposed to. And now you're wanted by the IRS um, for tax evasion. Maybe in that junk drawer, there is some double-sided tape. 
that is going to help you in your scrapbooking endeavors so that you can always remember that very awkward baby shower that you had 12 years ago and never put the photo album together. Maybe, just maybe, you got sick with a cold and you don't feel up to going to the grocery store to get lozenges and you reach way in the back of that junk drawer and bam. There's a dirty old Ricola. Yeah, and maybe there's a fiber on it, an unknown fiber. You don't care. You're desperate. It's the junk drawer. That is what we are bringing to you. We are creating an audible audible mosaic of junk from the junk drawer of our minds. So buckle up for safety and... Put on some sunglasses, because it's going to be a bumpy ride. And before we get into the meat of the show, or for you vegetarians, the tofu of the show, we are going to play a song. That's right. And I chose this song because uh, if you've made it to Monday evening unscathed, relatively... (laughs) then you've made it past the hottest part of this heat wave. Plus a possible power outage. Plus a possible power outage. We we record this on on Sunday night. So, yeah, we know what just happened, don't we? (laughs) Or what happened yesterday. We got you. We got you. We got you. Anyway, enough of this. Uh, The song is Heat Waves by Glass Animals. Sometimes all I think about is you. All right, Bobby. So to kick things off with our our hodgepodge of random randomness. Yes. Um, I have created a game, <gasps> and it's called Guess That Famous Nineties. <laughs> TV catchphrase. Guess that famous 90s TV catchphrase. That's right. Is that just so catchy and succinct? Wait, I want to I really want to capture my like Ryan Seacrest. Please do. My inner Ryan Seacrest, the greatest uh reality uh contest show, the greatest contest show host of all times. Okay. And you might argue that you know, um, what's his name? Uh, Mario Lopez is mm-hmm. also just as great because yeah. when that Miss America oh contestant boy. was taking falling, a real, real detour from the game that I made up, but sure, go. When she was go on. Well, when she was falling apart on on national television, he kept it real cool. But I don't know. I just think Ryan Seacrest. He's <laughs> he's uh, he's the big hitter of of uh, contest hosts. Yeah. So, okay. So, what are we doing? What was it called again? The show or the game show? <laughs> oh, name you're gonna that make me telev- try to remember what tele- I said thirty <laughs> seconds ago. Okay. Name that nineties tele- fame. It was like name that famous nineties television, television catchphrase. Hi, this is Ryan Seacrest, 
and you're playing name that famous 90s tv season secret what was i i've lost it never mind forget it okay let's just move it doesn't on. matter let's, let's just on. play okay. the game okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna say a catchphrase uh, from famous '90s television show. Okay. But I'm not gonna say it with the inflection that that they would say it. You're not gonna like do impressions. No, no, I'm I'm not. I'm going to say it in L- the like blandest Siri. way I can. Like Siri. Like Siri. <laughs> and and then you have to guess uh, what it's from. Okay. Are you ready, Bobby? Um, I think I was born to play this game. I think you were too. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now's your time to shine. <laughs> and shine I will. Your first one is Hello Newman. Uh, is that that's Jerry Seinfeld in the hit nineties sitcom Seinfeld. That is correct. Okay. Alright. I need to get a drink of water because yeah. this is this is what, making me thirsty. This is what you tuned in for. For like the human experience. And you'd think because we're pre recording this that I would edit these things out no, but no you get it you you this, this is, is included real, this is real life folks yeah and you know some podcast creators some like radio show content creators that this is the kind of content that you know if you donated like you know 30 30 dollars to the station you know or to dream infringement if you like gave us some money uh we would you know, reserve this for like the special few that have given us money. Like this is the special content, but you get this whether you donate money or not. That's right. Yeah. Doesn't that make you feel good? It should. Okay. Here's your next one. Okay. Is that your final answer? Um, is that, okay. Is that, this is a sitcom? It's just a, a show. show. Okay. Is it Regis Philbin? <laughs> From the turn of the millennium uh, game show called Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? That was pretty, that was great. And you were right. And I'm impressed that you're even saying who's saying it (laughs) because you don't even have to do that. Okay. Um, Let's see here. All these you know. Okay. Here's one you might not get, but you might. Okay. It stinks. It stinks. Oh yeah. Okay, I know this one. <laughs> this is uh, it was a car. It was a cartoon in the mid '90s by the name of the Critic, and the and the character voiced by John Lovitz. I'm not sure if the character's name was by the same name as the actor. It's saying here, I mean, if you want to know now, mm-hmm. that the movie critic's name was Jay Sherman. Jay Sherman. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and he would, he would like, he he basically was like a, a satire of Siskel and Ebert, you know, like those reviewers that were on television that reviewed movies. And um, yeah, so the critic... I'm impressed. Thank you. Okay. Do you do you want more? Uh, yes, I do. Keep it coming. Let's just do this the rest of the show. No, forget Jennifer's parts. Don't worry about her. Just this is gonna be just you asking me questions. Okay. Um. How rude. How rude. <laughs> that is uh, I that is 
full house and it's and the character that that says that is the middle daughter of the Tanner family and her name is DJ Tanner. No, not DJ. It was uh okay, there's DJ and Michelle and the middle one's name is um oh, what is her name? <laughs> Do you want me to tell you? Yeah. Stephanie. Stephanie, that's right. Stephanie Tanner. <laughs> How rude. Yeah, that was her thing. Okay. Here's the next one. Okay. And then I guess this can be our last one cuz Okay. We should This has to end. This has to end. So, yeah. Okay. Excellent. Uh oh, <laughs> is that um <laughs> Is that Bill and Ted? Oh no no, no 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 not Bill and Ted is that uh that's a uh, Wayne and Garth from Wayne's World they say excellent oh I feel I mean they do but <laughs> it was a different one excellent that's what they do and then they, they pretend like that. they're playing that it. is one is of that them not the, the other right one word? was um Mr Burns. <laughs> but I I tricked you because oh, I said true. it. There's many yeah. There's many characters. Well, that's yeah. I Mr. mean, you, Burns. you're not infallible. It's true. Well, without the inflection, it could be anything. There's that's you know, true. Because like Mr. Burns, he says excellent or like very evil. Yeah. But like Wayne's World, they're like excellent. Mm-hmm. So that was me. I just say excellent. Yeah, Emily says excellent. Well, that was excellent. That was. Okay. What song would you like to play next, Bobby? Something from the 90s. Ooh. Yes. All right. Let's play Pearl Jam. No, let's play Oasis Wonderwall. Okay. Oasis Wonderwall it is. Because maybe. games, but I recently learned about one called the Untitled Goose Game. It's a 2019 puzzle stealth video game developed by House House. In the game, players control a goose who bothers the inhabitants of an English village. It's a game that works on combining stealth mechanics with a lack of violence to create humorous in-game scenarios. And that led me to learning that China's relationship with geese is very different from America's relationship with geese because they have crime-fighting geese. They are apparently proving an invaluable tool in Xinjiang's war on crime, described as a highlight of stability maintenance work, and they have proved themselves better than dogs in tackling crime. Zhang Guanxing, a police chief in the area, said geese are known for being extremely vigilant and having excellent hearing, that they're very brave, they spread their wings and will attack any strangers entering someone's home, and that the birds were like a radar that does not need power. 
According to a report, a man tried to break into a police station to take back a motorbike confiscated by the police. After drugging two police dogs and climbing over the wall, the man was about to make his getaway when he came face to face with about 20 angry geese. They fanned their wings and began shrieking when they saw him, and the duty officer woke up and the thief was caught. According to a bird specialist at the Autobahn, in terms of alerting people to activity, geese are very vigilant, and certain species can be quite loud. It's instinctual for them that they are territorial. They could fly off anywhere they wanted to, but they hang around their chosen home. When asked if there was any danger a guard goose could turn on a cop, he stated, I don't think so. They seem to recognize you as part of the flock. If a new person came, the uniform might help the geese to acclimate to that person. Also that it's pretty hard to give geese something that will distract them enough where they wouldn't make noise. In fact, they might make more noise if you throw something delicious at them. And once they get going, they're hard to quiet down. So glad to see they've put uh, our territorial feathered friends to work uh, in something they seem very naturally acclimated to doing. Also, the piano music playing in the background of this story is from the actual soundtrack, The Untitled Goose Game. Oh, hi, you're still there. I didn't see you walk in to the room. I'm just kidding. I was trying to, I was kind of trying to create this, um, like kind of like an, uh, anxiety. Uh, <laughs> no, in was, an interact, an interactive piece for oh, the radio gotcha. where you could respond to me, but you didn't know that you would have had the opportunity to respond. So don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. What I want to talk about is something that's very near and dear to my heart. And that is television. I talked a little bit about television last week. And I still have more that I'd like to say. Because the fact of the matter is, because we have been in a pandemic for over a year and find ourselves at home a lot more than we normally are, I have sat down on the couch and watched more cartoons than I ever have in my life with my boys. I have a seven-year-old and a three-year-old. And I am cultivating in them a very, we're, Emily and I are cultivating in them a very uh, deep love for animated television. Because animated television is a wonderful thing. And one of the things that I've noticed about a lot of cartoons that are coming out probably in the last decade is they capture the beauty of the American sitcom. And I say that because there are certain elements that make the American sitcom special. And you might think of a sitcom as, you know, as something that was, you know, that was done a long time ago and they've gotten away from that. Perhaps they've done done more like documentary comedies like The Office or, you know, or these shows that kind of like kind of do a lot of cut twos, like cut back and cut forth, uh, like Arrested Development, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so, 
But the sitcom that I'm speaking about is the sitcom from the 90s that maybe you might uh, – specific shows that you might have been familiar with, like Step by Step or Family Matters mm-hmm. or Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or Full House. And there's always the living room with the couch. You know what their living room looks like. For a lot of us who grew up in the 90s and watched these televisions, all you have to see is the set. And yeah. you know you know the show. That's true. Emily knows what I'm talking about. And so the shows now, these cartoon, these cartoons that are coming out, whether it is a show, a cartoon on Nickelodeon, like SpongeBob SquarePants, or a cartoon on Cartoon Network, like the regular show, these are all cartoons that are sitcom based. And I think that that formula works. Because it's something you're familiar with. A lot of times they'll wear like the same kinds of outfits. Like the Simpsons. Bart Simpson, he never changed his red shirt. Homer never changed his white, you know, polo shirt. Marge never took her pearls off. These were all things that like, that you, you, you feel comfortable with. It's comforting. And so these cartoons that are coming out... Now, um, they, they use that same formula. And, uh, and one of the things that I love about these cartoons is they're not just like cartoons that are being produced by men in very, very, like the highest floor of a skyscraper that are like, we need to make this cartoon in order uh, for us to sell toys and then make lots of money off of the toys. That's how, you know, that's basically like how a lot of cartoons uh, were formed. It was like we we have the toy figured out and how we're going to release them and make lots of money. So we need to make a cartoon about this toy first. And so a lot of the cartoons just didn't have any substance. But the cartoons that are coming out now, uh, they have like these really deep meanings behind them and like really good lessons to be learned. And they're voiced by really like interesting, fantastic people like people you would want to sit down and have coffee with like these people are they're speaking for like the children they're they're like trying to like broaden children's horizons and and help them to appreciate that people are different and that it's okay to express your feelings and it's okay to um it's okay to to you know, have like a different perspective about things or to have struggles or to be angry or frustrated and how to deal, how to cope with those negative feelings. Like these cartoons are, are like therapeutic. Um, and so some cartoons that I want to tell uh, you listeners about that I have enjoyed sitting down and watching with my children are cartoons like The Regular Show. There's a cartoon that's really great called Craig of the Creek. There's another cartoon called Steven Universe. That's a fantastic one. Is there another any other ones? Uh, we've been really enjoying The Fungies. The Fungies is a fantastic cartoon about these prehistoric uh, fungi, and they live in this town, and it's really cute. And there, and I'll give you if you want, if you listen to NPR and you're a fan of Fresh Air, I just discovered that there's a dinosaur character that is voiced by none other than Fresh Air's Terry Gross. 
I mean, what, like, this is, we live in a different time. And I just think that that's fantastic. Yeah. And I bet you all thought we were done talking about pop culture. We're not. We're not. Absolutely not. Well, are you, are we done with this segment? I'm done with this segment. I've said everything I, I wanted to say. And um, just uh, keep watching television and appreciate it for what it is. It's not books. We know that. It's not movies. And it never will be. It, it never will be. It's not going to be. It never was. It never. But appreciate it for the reason that it exists. Because when we were kids, we came home from school and we needed to unwind and eat a bowl of cereal before we got into our homework. What was there waiting for us while well, we sat on the carpet? Television. Yeah. So don't give up on television because television has not given up on you. That's right. And that's really the message of tonight's show. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's play a song. Let's do. Here is a song that the the trio that is Dream Infringement could all agree upon was wonderful. And that is Butter by BTS. All you, all you young kids will enjoy this one. Upon hearing my voice, you thought to yourself, well, that's a smart cookie who sounds like they would know a great deal about Thomas Jefferson, and that assumption would be absolutely incorrect. But a few days ago, I read a caption that said he sent a giant moose carcass to Paris to prove that America's animals were bigger than Europe's. And I had many questions, and now I have answers that I'm going to share with you. Apparently, back in the day, Europeans, particularly the French, would refer to Americans as upstarts and malcontents and threats to the monarchy, which, you know, wasn't wrong exactly. But then Count Georges Louis Le Clerc Buffon, one of France's most distinguished and quote-unquote enlightened thinkers, laid out what came to be called the theory of degeneracy. He argued that, as a result of living in a cold and wet climate, all species found in America were weak and feeble. What's more, any species imported into America for economic reason would soon succumb to its new environment and produce lines of puny, feeble offspring. It is a land of swamps where life putrefies and rots. Others went on to claim that the theory of degeneracy applied equally well to people who moved to America and their descendants. And these ideas became mainstream enough that they felt comfortable in questioning whether the discovery of America had been beneficial or harmful to the entire human race. Jefferson soon realized Wait a minute, no one will want to trade with us or come here. Our collective pocketbook has been threatened. So he devoted the largest section of the only book he ever wrote, Notes on the State of Virginia, to systematically debunk that degeneracy theory. Jefferson knew Buffon and had even dined with him on occasion. He was confident that the Count was a reasonable, after all, enlightened man who would retract his theory if he were presented with overwhelming evidence against it. 
Jefferson wanted to present tangible evidence, something the Count could touch. He tried with the skin of a panther and then the fossilized bones of a mastodon to no avail. Jefferson then decided there was really only one way to win, and that was to present the Count with a mighty and majestic moose. However, getting a taxidermied moose to Paris is harder than you might think. Jefferson spent an inordinate amount of time begging his friends to send him a large stuffed moose. Sadly, no one had one on hand, just lying around. Perhaps at this time, Jefferson was thinking, you know who really is a degenerate American? It's friends who don't send friends giant moose carcasses when they ask nicely. So the endeavor for this moose carcass involved teams of 20 men hauling a dead moose through miles of snow. The carcass fell apart in transit. It came with antlers that didn't quite belong to the body of the moose, but could be attached convincingly upon arrival. Then crates were lost in transit, there's irresponsible shippers, and an increasingly despondent Jefferson. However, eventually, the seven-foot-tall moose made it, and he was able to present it victoriously to the Count. Yes, this so longed-for moment had finally arrived. Irrefutable proof. Something that would make the Count exclaim, Forgive me, I was wrong. America is glorious and much better than France. I have been enlightened by the sight of this magnificent moose. Only that is absolutely not what happened. It was not successful at all in persuading the Count to change his mind. And the belief of American degeneracy persisted. However, there were enough Europeans who saw America as a very vast, unlimited land of resources where there was a world of healthy, hardworking people, and they made this part of our national identity. So there you have it. Little fun something you can share at, at parties. You know, if you meet the right kind of person, they'll, they'll be impressed. You know, read the room. have something to do with uh, early American men in power and animals. Oh boy. <laughs> Not as... You have piqued my interest. <laughs> I'm having a hard time coming up with words tonight, which isn't great considering that is the entirety of our radio show. Yeah. Coming up with words. Anyway, mine isn't, um, it's not as fleshed out as Jennifer's. Uh, but did you know that Andrew Jackson had a swearing parrot? You're going to have to run that by me again, Emily. Yes, this is correct. Andrew Jackson, uh, good old Hickory, as he was known. As he was Yikes. known in the tavern. <laughs> In the local somewhere. tavern. Okay, he had a bird. Can you start calling me Hickory? Old Hickory? <laughs> if you want me to, okay. I guess. Right. Um, so his, the bird's name was Paul. Or Pole. P-O-L-L. Is it like Polly? Like short for Polly? Or is it like Paul? Yeah. Pole? Yeah. Um, and it was originally meant for his wife, Rachel. But after she passed away, Jackson became the African Grey's caretaker. So, 
nobody like there's nothing that says oh the bird was cussing because Andrew Jackson was a, a major cusser but I have known a couple parrots in my lifetime and they do tend to say what their owners say oh boy okay so here comes the part of the show where Emily calls out people <laughs> no they weren't cussing oh. parrots that I knew oh okay one was a yelling parrot. Um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, I'm sure that that's why it was cussing because Andrew Jackson and his reputation was that he was so tough and temperamental. That's why he got old hickory. So, I mean, is that how he ended up? He sounds like a prolific cursor. Yeah. Cause you know, that, that was what they wanted for the $100 bill. Or is that a Benjamin? I think he's on the $20 bill. Oh, yeah, Andrew Jackson. Okay, yeah. that's right. Oh, he's like real angry looking. Yeah. Yeah, he looks like an old hickory. He really does. Yeah. Um. So on June 8th, 1845, he died. And it says he dies for, he died from unknown complications. Uh, sounds like murder <laughs> to me but that's the story for a different episode um so naturally he was a pretty popular guy and he had a lot of people thousands in fact come to his funeral and one of the attendees included his parrot paul who squawked squeaked and swore like a sailor so this is what you created andrew jackson and we have uh actual audio of that uh very parrot it was one of the (laughs) earliest phonographs uh phonograph type uh recording devices uh used in history and they chose to record the parrot so emily go ahead and play that clip well, sadly, we don't have that clip. Oh, but we come do, on. We do have a direct quote from a Reverend William Menifee Normant. Can I read who it? Who was the also there at Jackson's funeral. And okay. he had this to say. Before the sermon and while the crowd was gathering, a wicked parrot that was a household pet got excited and commenced swearing so loud and long as to disturb the people and had to be carried away from the house. (laughs) Okay. Um, Then Reverend Normant goes on to say that the parrot was excited by the multitude and let loose perfect gusts of cuss words. People were horrified and awed at the bird's lack of reverence. An irreverent bird? How dare ye? <laughs> so, yeah, we don't really know what happened after that. <clears throat> I guess they removed the parrot? Like from Earth? <laughs> <laughs> I hope they just took him out of the building. It's not his fault. The parrot doesn't know what he's saying. Yeah, it's Andrew Jackson's fault. Yeah, amongst... A lot of other things. You know, that parrot should be on the $20 bill, not Andrew Jackson. You heard it here first. Dream infringement. Quote me on it. Put it in the New York Times. Well, let's let's listen to a song while we, we cool down a little bit. <laughs> I need a glass of ice water. Uh, let's listen to 
Monsieur Peren Pereni. I can't. Uh, let's listen to a song called Encanto Tropical. There we go. Recently, I learned about Felicia, the Fermilab ferret. It was in the late 1960s, and workers were constructing the main components of a particle accelerator. And one man in particular, pun intended, Bob Sheldon, had the specific responsibility to prevent delays and find shortcuts that could save money. The accelerator was completed on schedule and well within budget. They managed to send a beam of particles all the way around the four-mile ring. By August, they'd sent one around 10,000 times. But when they tried to accelerate the particles above 7 BeV, the magnets shorted out. They realized the cause. Metal slivers left behind when they cut into the vacuum tubes. They were slightly magnetic, and those slivers were getting in the way. Bob had a solution. He was from Yorkshire, where it wasn't uncommon to use ferrets to flush out rabbits from warrens, and he suggested a ferret equipped with a cleaning tool could do the job, scampering through the vacuum tubes. Bob was delegated to find and purchase a ferret. It arrived by special delivery from Minnesota. It was a sable ferret, the smallest ferret they'd had, and they called her Felicia. They placed a custom collar around Felicia's neck and a diaper, just in case, and they attached a string to the collar. Felicia was to bring the string from one end of a tube to the other. Then they'd attach a cleanser-dipped swab to the string and pull it through. Felicia took one look at the four-mile-long, narrow, dark tubes and said, no, thank you. And so they reassigned her to a section of 12-inch wide tubes, and she was taught to scamper through progressively longer tunnels until she was ready to try one of the 300-foot sections that would be joined together. After a dozen runs through the tubes, which, when joined, grew too long for her comfort, Felicia went into semi-retirement and spent most of her time as a pet on the mink farm and scientists developed what they called a mechanic ferret to handle the same job. She experienced a brief illness and did not recover in 1972, and the village crier noted that it was planned that they would have her body to be stuffed and mounted and displayed permanently as a symbol of their early development and the contribution that Felicia, the ferret, the lovable working weasel, made well that's it we we have to go now we do and uh i wanted to leave you with a poem by J.R.R. tolkien please do it's a goodbye poem it goes like this well here at last dear friends on the shores of the sea comes the end of our fellowship in middle earth go in peace i will not say do not weep for not all tears are in evil. So you might be sad that this is coming to an end, but don't worry. That sadness should be exchanged with happiness because we're going to be back next week with a brand new theme. And you don't know what it is because we don't know what it is, but we'll tell you. Just listen to the wind. 
and the dog that's whining because we need to do something, maybe take him out or something. Yeah, that's probably it. That really means we need to go. Well, thanks for listening. We're going to play you out with a song that our friend and listener of the show, Cassie, has requested. Uh, She was reminded of it, I believe, because of our show all about pop culture. So here's the song, Pop Music by M. Good night, everyone. Adios, sayonara, abita zay.